From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, October 26th. Locals living along Cane Creek Road are facing eviction while developers make new plans for the area. As KZMU's Justin Higginbottom reports, residents there say they don't have anywhere else to go. Marlene Lee has lived in a home along the red cliffs of Cane Creek Road for six years. Across the street is the shore of the Colorado River. It's so quiet, and it's like you have your own space out there, and you're not bothered out there. And, I mean, even though that we don't have full reception out there, I mean, it was it was perfect for us. And I just feel that my kids are a lot safer at home, just being at home. And that's where they're always at, so... She's sitting in the lobby of a hotel where she works to support her five children. With Moab's housing shortage, a handful of families have found relief in slivers of land like Lee's. The homes can lack water and sewage connections. At least one tenant lives in a cave, but it's cheap and close to town. When Cane Creek Preservation and Development bought the land, she was told nothing would change. But recently, the developer said she needs to leave by December. And I said, I don't have anywhere else to move. I said... It's really hard to get into an area in Moab. And I said, and at this time of the year, I said, it's getting cold. It's getting ready to snow. And I said, and I said, I have a big family at home. I was like, how am I supposed to just like get up and move? How am I supposed to do that? She says the developers want to work with her to find a new home, but options are slim. That's why she was living on King Creek Road in the first place. And, yeah, I just don't know where to move to. I really don't. And I just hate to move into an apartment or other areas because, I mean, we've just lived out there for a long time. And I just don't want to pay much more than I've been paying as a thing. The 180 acres of land is zoned highway commercial. That means it's ready for businesses and residential units. Trent Arnold is a partner at the company, which now owns the land. He says it's still early days, but they have big plans. You know, a couple different ideas, but the one that seems to be working or getting the most traction is to create what we're calling, and we'll come up with a better name for it, but an innovation center. In the next 10 to 15 years, his company hopes to restore the riverbank and rid the area of invasive species. Then he wants to attract the outdoor industry and electric vehicle manufacturers and build around 500 residential units. He says out of eight tenants, his company only served evictions to two. Others were given a target date of December to leave. Arnold says Lee, the mother of five, can stay until she finds a place. We have to buy a piece of land, which can't even do that. Like, perfect world, I would love, and, and boy, if you could put this message in your report. Yeah. If anyone in town has land they'd love to lease to us to put two mobile homes on, we'll prepay months and months of rent and make it as secure as possible and make it a no-brainer for a landowner. We will be there tomorrow with our checkbook in hand to, to make that happen. According to the developers, tenants need to leave because their properties are not up to code. Uh, and again, again, I'll be careful here just to talk about it in generalities, but the insides of some of these units are not legally habitable. We have some real liability if we're collecting rent and providing something below slum housing. It's just not, it's not legal, it's not right. But Arnold agrees making those living in poor conditions homeless won't help them. In the end, he can't guarantee those forced to leave will have a place to go. Having done this before, you can't guarantee anything, but I can tell you that we're going to do everything we can 
situation by situation to make sure that there's a solution in place for them. Okay. My name is Michael R. Mustache. I'm from Bluff, Utah. But I, we got evicted here, me and my friend. We've been living here for, I would say, about 16 years. But this is our second eviction here in Moab. We used to live down at the powerhouse, too. We, we got evicted there, too. So we, we thought we were going to have a beautiful place here for a long time, but it got shortened for us. So <laughs> Mustache is another resident that will be leaving. He's standing in front of his trailer, wondering what he can do. Soon, he'll have nowhere to put it. And we got a lot of stuff to haul away, and we got a lot of stuff to get rid of. Some good stuff too, you know. He's found an apartment in town, but he doesn't think he'll stay for long. My friend wants to go up, move up to Colorado somewhere. Get out of Moab town, you know. <laughs> I think we have enough of this town, you know. Everywhere is like this, you know. Every, all the world is just all messed up, you know, everybody's getting evicted, everybody has no home, getting, get kicked out of the, their houses, you know. It, people should just stop doing that, you know, let, let people live where they want to live, but it's not, it's not that way, you know. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. A previously denied proposal to put a highway through the book cliffs has returned. Wildlife conservation groups and local nonprofits question the motivations for the highway and fear it could cause habitat loss and negatively impact wildlife. With our partners at Utah Public Radio, Ellis Julin reports. The highway has been proposed by the Seven County Infrastructure Coalition, also known as SCIC. Mike McKee is the executive director of SCIC. And he says they are currently working on having an environmental impact assessment done in the area with $3.2 million of funding from the Utah State Legislature. The assessment will help determine the viability of the highway. Generally what happens in an environmental impact study is several considerations or alternatives that are evaluated. And that also includes a no action. Uh, of course, from the Seven County uh, Coalition's perspective, uh, we're hoping that uh, when we conclude with the environmental impact study, that would lead to a, a project. Although the environmental impact assessment costs are covered, opponents have expressed concerns about additional costs. Dita Seed is a senior public lands campaigner with the Center for Biological Diversity. The concern that we're spending $2.8 million or more in Utah taxpayer dollars to do this paying consultants to do an environmental impact statement for a road that is so expensive to build, upwards of $400 million to build this highway. Mike McKee with Skik says the highway is intended for travel and tourism, connecting visitors from northern Utah or Wyoming to the Mighty Five in southern Utah. There was a time when maybe this was looked at more for travel and tourism and extraction. But as we see this today, this would be pretty much a travel and tourism uh, road. The highway was first proposed in 1992. The proposal didn't go through, but has been brought up and turned down several other times since then. Grand County has stood in opposition to the highway proposal since its inception for a variety of reasons. Trisha Hedden is a Grand County Commissioner and is concerned by the redundancy of this highway given that roadways already exist connecting Uinta and Grand Counties. She and other opponents of the highway point out it would only reduce driving time by about 20 minutes, and questions if it's worth the environmental impacts as well as the effect on towns along existing roads. 
Well, what it does then is disqualifies all these outlying communities that are trying to base their economy on tourism. So Helper is a perfect example. They've put a ton of money into Helper in the last probably 10 years, producing this cool little town that they're really trying to attract tourists. You're trying to bypass Helper. You're trying to bypass price. The Book Cliffs is an area of public land spanning 455,000 acres and is one of the largest intact habitats in the lower 48. Putting a paved highway through the middle of this really critical wildlife habitat is a terrible idea from a species conservation standpoint and from the standpoint of protecting against the ravages of the climate crisis. She says not only would construction fragment habitat, but a highway would increase wildlife vehicle collisions. The United States Forest Service and other federal agencies have looked at the impacts of construction of highways and wildlife habitats, and the scientific consensus is that it's extremely harmful to the long-term health of the species that exist in the area. The ecosystem of the Book Cliffs supports large populations of big game species, including elk, bighorn sheep, mule deer, pronghorn antelope, and bears. Seed says the area also contains a variety of rare endemic plant species. Because it's largely a desert ecosystem, it's fragile and sensitive to disturbance. In the proposed location, the highway would cross over an area of key habitat, says Trisha Hedden. Basically, the wildlife in the book cliffs really sit on that, what's called the divide, the very top, because that summer range, it's where most of the food is, but it's also where, you know, a lot of those elk and bison just stay up there all year long. The bison really never leave the top. With Utah Public Radio, I'm Ellis Julin. This story comes from our partners at UPR. They say after an environmental assessment on the proposed highway is conducted, there will be time for public comment. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, October 26th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.